Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of One Vision. Now, today we are going to turn the table around a little bit, and we are hosting Greg Palmer, VP of Innovate, host of the Finnovate podcast, and director of FinTech Strategy Informa Connect. He's a very long-term friend of ours, and so welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you so much for having me, Theo. My pleasure to be here. It's fun,、um, and it's good to be reconnected. It's been since Berlin, almost three months now.、Um, so, for our listeners who may not know you from the Finnovate stage, though I doubt there would be any,、um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you end up at Finnovate? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been with Finnovate now for slightly longer than a decade, which is sort of mind-boggling when I think about it. But I joined in two thousand nine. Um, and the way that I came about was sort of random, and I suppose that's how a lot of fintech stories got started back in 2009. People sort of just found themselves all of a sudden in, in the industry. But prior to coming to work for Finnovate, I was doing event-based marketing for a little bank here in Seattle called Washington Mutual.、Um, Washington Mutual was one of the early victims of the credit crunch. In the late 2000s, they disappeared as a bank. My job disappeared at that bank, understandably, and I was sort of at loose ends for a little bit. And then I ended up actually replying to just a random Craigslist ad posted by Eric Matson,、um, you know, bank marketing event. And so I looked it up, and I, my first instinct—I'll I'll never forget this—was you know, Finnovate really should have two ends in it. Um, and I still believe that, by the way. But、uh, I, I ended up meeting him for coffee, and, and, and the rest is history. You know, at that point, we were a really tiny shop. There was Eric,、uh, who was acting as CEO at that point. There was Jim Brini, the founder, and obviously he brought a lot of contacts from NetBanker and Online Banking Report, and then myself. And、um, between the three of us, we started rapidly growing. And turning Finnovate into what it is today,、um, but it's crazy to think that you know I went from passing out branded keychains at concerts for Washington Mutual to becoming a part of what ended up being a a really exciting and fun company. So let's talk about that a little bit.、Uh, I mean, I remember the first couple Finnovates in New York back in two thousand seven. San Francisco, I think, had its first event in the spring of two thousand eight. I mean, it feels like you said like a lifetime ago. Uh, but Finnovate was really the first of its kind. It was sort of a, a first look at financial services from the outside. So, just to your point, I, I want to give a big shout out to Jim Bruni and Eric Matson. And, and back in the days, I mean, it was a skeleton crew. You had like five or six people. It was the same people, you know, that were running running the floor. They were running every single part of that event. Yeah. Um, we were a lot becoming members, even to come and do registration and things like that. Those are Jim's nieces、uh, who are coming to hand out packets at those early ones. Well, and, and think about you know those early days. I mean, the format that you guys had. I mean, can you talk about like you know what that was to you guys? And and think about some of those memorable moments. Some of those that are like funny. Some of them were like really meaningful. Like you changed the mindset of an entire industry from this conference. I like to call it the Disneyland of fintech. I mean, <laughs> we still use that quote. By the way, we will put well, that quote on anything and everything. By the way, so thank you for giving us that soundbite. But so, so tell us about you know your experiences the past decade. Yeah, well, I mean, so when when I first joined, you know, financial technology was, I think, an an industry that I certainly didn't really understand. It wasn't something that I expected to be spending a lot of time learning about. 
Um, but it quickly became really apparent to me how much potential there was in the space and how much the banking industry was about to change. And so I, I started picking my head up and really paying attention to what was happening and, and thinking this is actually something which could change the world. And, and that was, I think, what really kept me going at that point. The format itself, I um, can't take really any credit for it. Jim and Eric had developed that concept before I joined. But the basic ethos was that most 30-minute panel presentations or, or PowerPoint presentations are deaf. Like sitting there and watching those, it's really difficult to stay engaged and stay connected. And especially, and I think we've all had this experience, that moment where you're in what is a 30-minute presentation, you're five minutes in and you realize it's not relevant for you. And you're faced with this decision, do I stick it out or do I get up and be that rude person who stands up and walks out You know, five minutes into a half-hour presentation? And what we really decided was that, you know, if you can't say what you need to say in seven minutes, then you can't say it, you know, and, and we, by, by forcing people to go with a much shorter time frame, um, and by forcing people to do a demo of their technology, not a PowerPoint slide, um, I think we really kind of advanced some of those conversations from stage significantly farther down the line. It's really easy, well, I should say comparatively easy to put together a PowerPoint that says, this is what my company is going to do. Substantially more difficult, obviously, to actually build the technology and, and to do that. And so by sort of saying, you know, come to us when it works, when you're ready to put it up on stage in front of a number of people and uh, in a sink or swim environment, you know, that's that's where we want to have this conversation. And and we felt like it was just more engaging, more impactful and, and more of a show that we would want to sit through ourselves. So, you know, I, I first heard um, Eric describing the format and I was instantly very uh, in tune with it. It sounded like something that I could really get behind because, you know, I've followed a lot of public speaking. I've done public speaking my entire life. And it is something that a lot of people aren't comfortable with. And that half hour presentation actually sets a lot of people up to fail. And and I think, you know, the seven minute presentation doesn't do that the same way. I mean, it's high pressure, of course, but it's easier for a non-seasoned speaker to do a good seven minute presentation than a half hour slide-based presentation. So, um, that's just a little bit of what we were kind of going through at that point. And obviously what we found resonated, you know, we, we had people who did kind of agree that this shorter format was good. It was exciting. And you could just see a ton of innovation in a very short amount of time, which was also something that was really cool. So let's talk about that, that seven minute. Um, it's actually I don't know if people understand how hard it is so to actually digest everything you have in in seven minutes. We have seen, uh, for example, some of the analyst all stars that you guys started doing the last two years, and you've seen people getting gonged out in that seven mm -hmm. minutes, right? Yeah. It's an art to be able to do that. Now, part of the startups being able to be on stage to do that and to be able to perform the level they did is because you actually coach them, you mentor them yes. on how to talk about the products and how to make it work within seven minutes, how to provide an engaging um, experience, like you say, something that's impactful. So can you walk us through, like, you know, how do you go about advising them what to do? What's normally, how do you coach them? What's the process like? Sure, absolutely. So, well, I mean, as you guys have seen, there's a wide variety in quality among the seven minute demos that you see up there. And to be honest, what, what started, how it all started out for me was in my first couple of years of watching the show, you know, I, 
I felt like an imposter. I didn't have any fintech background. I didn't know what financial technology was. And I was in that, you know, heavily in that fake it till you make it stage, right? I was trying to just sort of nod and not get outed as somebody who didn't know anything about the space. And I would read the applications for companies that were coming in. I would watch the demos and there would be a lot of them. And I was like, you know, I'm just not getting this. I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. And for the first probably about two years or so, I thought the failure was on my side. You know, I'd watch these demos and think if I'm not getting it, that means that, you know, I'm not smart enough to stay up to date with this. You know, this is not my subject matter expertise. All the people around me are, are clearly getting more out of this than I am. And after about two years, it started to really shift for me. And I realized, you know, actually, if I'm not getting it, that's not about me not being a good listener. It's about you not being able to tell me what you're working on. And once I started watching the demos from that standpoint, it really became clear, you know, how you could structure a seven minute presentation to be really effective. And, and there are some pieces that, you know, uh, or some patterns that began emerging that we were really looking for. So, um, you know, I started paying attention to whose message do I, as an outsider to the space, understand? And those are the companies that I started noticing were more likely to win best of show. Those were the companies that I would look out of the networking space who had a lot of traffic at their booth. And, um, and it was really fun for me the first time I realized, you know, I actually know something more than these other people who are incredibly intelligent, smart people. It was a really gratifying moment. Um, and, and so we started putting together at that point, you know, a list of kind of best practices for demos. And it started off as just a little one page word document. Um, these are things which you can do, how you can structure a demo and it's really evolved now. And, and so for anybody who comes to, uh, a, a presents or demo at Finnovate, um, we do two coaching calls. You know, first one is really theoretical, kind of like best practices. This is what you want to try and do. The second call is much more hands-on where people will walk me through their demo remotely and I'll give constructive feedback. But, you know, some of the, the most important pieces are, um, really to, to take a giant step back from the demo. A lot of companies approach it from here's everything I want to show. And the first step really is to take a step back from that and think, what do I want people to take away? What messages do I want to leave with people? And then by, by going with that route, it makes the demo part a lot easier because you then offer the demo itself as evidence to support your high level messages, your thesis statements of, of the demo. And by structuring it in that way, you know, you aren't going to be able to show everything that your company can do. You probably weren't going to be able to anyway, but by doing it that way, you really show the pieces that are most relevant to the audience that are most likely to create the impression you want to create um, and set yourself up for that next conversation. You know, get people back to your booth, have a, a chance to trade business cards and then set up, you know, half hour, hour long meeting where you can really get into the nitty gritty. But that time from stage, you have a very limited amount of time and a very limited number of messages that you can deliver. So, you know, the, the first thing is identify what those messages should be and then really structure the demo around driving them home. And, and there are other tips and tricks as well. Um, you know, one of, one of the ones that I actually get the most feedback on is a, a really silly one. But when you're up there on stage, people that have stage fright, you know, they kind of get freaked out when they see the audience out there. There's actually a really simple trick you can do when you're up there. Look at the exit signs at the back of the room. You look over the audience. It looks like you're making eye contact with everybody, but you don't actually see any of them. So you don't get that kind of nervous energy. And it looks really good for the video because your eyes are camera level. So there you go. There's a freebie for everybody. If you ever are worried 
uh, about getting in front of a group. Don't look at the audience. Look over the audience, and uh, you'll you'll stay sane, and you'll still get credit for great eye contact. That's a good one. Um, and and I, I just I think about that because um, there was one time, I think about a year ago, I was on stage with Alpha Rank, which ended up winning Best of Show that time. And I got to just sit there and like, you know, move the mouse around on a screen and just let uh, Ryan Lay do his thing. But, you know, that was actually kind of interesting to like just be up there and not present uh, and just kind of watch the show a little bit and just worry about what's in front of my screen. Um, but but you're like on stage multiple times a year in front of thousands and thousands of people. And and this is a crowd filled with bankers. Uh, and so you've got this sort of interesting task to keep people entertained. You're like part MC, you're part comedian. Um, you just started, I think, the last three or four years really, really getting good at those sort of banking and fintech jokes. Uh, <laughs> but, you, but, you, but you also like stretch time. Right. Because sometimes not often, but sometimes, you know, a team gets up there and their stuff's not quite ready or you got to like jump to the other side. Talk about that part. I mean, you you individually have to get ready for a show. You've been doing this coaching for a long time, but you have really honed your craft. You are like MC du jour, man. So, well, like, thank you. You get ready. Uh, that, I, I really appreciate that. I actually spend quite a bit of time uh, and, and effort preparing for each show. Um, and I think one of the things that I try and do, um, you know, th th it starts with those coaching calls. When I see companies who are, uh, I first talk to them, I look at what their demos are going to be, and I start to keep a list of companies who might have more involved setups where I know that from a tech standpoint, if they've got multiple devices to connect, I sort of highlight them. Um, or if there's somebody who I'm concerned about going over time, I kind of highlight them as well. Um, so that when it comes to the time of the show, I can kind of see those things coming. Now you can't always see them coming, right? A, a, a little technical hiccup can, can pop out of nowhere. Um, but by, by being more prepared, I, I sort of can get, okay, these are announcements I want to make during this time, or I know I'll, I might have to cover a long setup here. So I'll come out with some, uh, usually, you know, shameless self-promotion, uh, doesn't go too far amiss, but, um, if I have a joke or two, I'll, uh, I'll get that ready as well. Um, but I think one of the most challenging aspects of the the job for me is to actually watch the demos from backstage. It's really difficult to see what everybody else in the room is seeing. Um, and, and that puts you at a really big disadvantage because um, you could come out and try and respond to something and be the only person out of a thousand people in that room who didn't see what just happened. Um, so that's that's definitely a challenge. But um, one of the pieces that I really enjoy is those moments where there is a little snafu where all of a sudden you have to stretch something. Honestly, that's what keeps it fun. You get this massive adrenaline rush. It's like bungee jumping. I mean, it's terrifying, right? It really is. But it's also, you know, you know you're alive. <laughs> um, and, and so what I try and do is just really keep it simple, avoid, you know, that, that kind of freak out moment where you just stand and, and don't know what you're going to say next. Um, and just come back to what you know. You know, I can go back and talk about upcoming events. Um, I can talk about where lunch is going to be. In some cases, I'll just start even saying what's actually happening, like telling people we've got this problem right now. Um, but I found that the more kind of calm and collected I can be, it helps me to stay up there. It helps the audience to stay engaged. Um, and that's where you get in this moment where, you know, myself and the audience can really connect um, in between demos. And, and once I know that the, the audience is feeling the demos, the demoing companies are on point, that's where I can really start to have some fun with it. 
And uh, those are really fun. That's when those jokes start to come out. And I will say, by the way, it is extremely difficult to find banker jokes that are not incredibly offensive to bankers. So um, if anybody has any, I'm always looking for some. Please do go ahead, tweet them at me, at Greg Palmer 47. Uh, I'm always ready for more banking and finance jokes. So um, you know, enter now for your chance to win. And we'll read the winners out from stage. And I'll completely take credit for them, by the way, as well. So that's part of the deal here. Oh, that's, that's funny. Um, it reminds me of a conversation we had um, in Europe, I believe, is that different audience reacts to the jokes differently, right? And, and yeah. I, for one, would raise my hand and said, I absolutely did not read the room right when I was in Berlin. <laughs> A lot of my jokes fell flat, so I have much audience. to learn. It was a tough audience. It's very, very different. Um, so speaking of, you know, thinking about Vinovate and how it has evolved the last few years and has expanded to many different locations globally, including um, Berlin, including, um, I believe you guys did South Africa and Asia and Middle East. What are some of the challenges when it comes to having to carry the brand across such a diverse ecosystem? Every location has its own differences, uniqueness, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. For sure. So I think one of the biggest challenges is the different geographies have very differently structured fintech ecosystems and they are set up to do different things. You know, in the United States, uh, there's a very kind of venture capital backed fintech market. And so companies who have good ideas can get funding um, and that funding allows them to go out and come to conferences like Finnovate to get different experts involved and basically just kind of you know progress really quickly down the, the path towards creating a company. Um, in other markets where there isn't that kind of venture capital backing or it's not the same, it's, it's a smaller amount of capital available to some of these companies. Um, and so that really changes the startup ecosystem and uh, what startups are able to do. And and to be honest, a lot of companies struggle to get to the point where they have a demo that they can get up and show on stage if they don't have the kind of capital that uh, it, it takes to do that. So I think you know when, when you look at the difference between Affinovate in the United States, Affinovate in Berlin, Affinovate uh, in Singapore, um, you know, the, the actual technology itself, the tech solutions can look pretty similar, but what's behind them is really different. And that's, I think, been the biggest challenge for us is how do we structure our shows that respect and understand what the local market does and how that, that local market operates while at the same time having it still be a Finnovate event and, and making it something that we, you know, that adheres to kind of our global, uh, our global rules. And, um, you know, so, so it's a challenge, no question about it. I think, um, the, the piece that's really been fun for us is to see how all these different markets operate and see, you know, what types of technology they produce. Um, and one of my favorite aspects of the whole thing actually is looking at how similar a lot of the solutions are that come from very diverse environments, very diverse backgrounds and kind of end up in the same place, but take a very different route to get there. So that's a really satisfying aspect of it. 
Um, but it is definitely a challenge. And, and one of the first and most important things that we can do is to just try and learn as much as we can about each market before we go there, trying to understand who the power players are there, what makes them tick and, uh, and, and just what's likely to resonate with people. Because, you know, the same type of speaker who is going to do very well on stage in New York might completely fall flat in Singapore. And we have to be able to anticipate that and not only know that that might happen, but also understand why that might happen. We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking, information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. So I want to I want to have you like step back for a minute and, and think about the impact of Finnovate. I mean, I will say that personally, Finnovate has changed the trajectory of my life, and I, I really mean that. Like this conference and the people that I've met through this conference have really changed what I work on, what I feel about, in terms of like what I'm passionate about, and I really mean that. It's very very personal. And so, whether bankers want to admit it or not, Finnovate has been a huge part of changing the mindset around financial technology. It's changed the way that venture capital looked at this space. It's changed the way that products and services are in front of consumers and small businesses. It has truly made banking better. So think about it from that angle and in, in the way that Finnovit has really changed the industry. How do you feel about that legacy? And, and have you changed any of your personal financial habits based on what you see on stage? Well, I mean, uh, so first of all, thanks again. I mean, that's an amazing compliment. I think that's the number one thing that we would have said our goal was, you know, back in 2010, 2011, we would have said our, our ambition is to push fintech forward. We want to just drive the industry and, and, and spur innovation in, in the way that we can. So, um, you know, I, I sincerely appreciate those words because that's very much what we're trying to do. Um, it's, yeah, it's absolutely changed my life as well. I mean, when I was, uh, coming into Finnovate, I really, um, you know, I was young. I was, uh, just getting into, uh, an apartment with, um, the, the woman who had become my wife, you know, we were living like 20, 20 somethings. Right. And all of a sudden I started looking at the technology that was on display, um, and looking at the way that people were managing their finances. And, um, you can only sit through so many wealth management presentations before you start to think, you know, I guess I should get a 401k. That, that does sound like a good idea. Um, but, but I think beyond that, no, it's, it's really something that I, I feel a lot of pride in because I would watch these technologies come across our stage and I would sort of tell people that I was, that I knew in my, um, personal life, I'd say, you know, this is coming, this, this type of technology is coming. And then to see it actually come into the market in a couple of years and see people starting to use it, you know, the first time one of my friends reached out and asked me, um, do you know what Venmo is? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> turns out I do. How do you know what Venmo is? Um, but, but as, a, as I've seen that happen, I, I've not personally tried to um, endorse or, you know, really go public with the types of companies that I use from our conferences, but I've been paying attention and I use a number of them in my personal life um, to do various things. 
Um, but I think what's what's really the the most important thing for us is that I look at the uh, the way that people bank now and, and over the last 10 years it's been just this massive shift and um you know what i'm the kind of person when my uh when my own credit union puts out a new app update i get excited to see what's going to happen next and i love seeing again functionality that uh that i've seen on on the finnovate stage come to fruition you know so um tap to pay from uh, smartphones. I remember when we saw Loop up there on stage, kind of 1.0, this idea of building the hardware in for a tap to pay. Um, I, I thought that was excellent. Even just the, something basic, online bill pay, online check deposit, these things are now kind of taken for granted. But um, you know, we saw them at a time where it was a pipe dream. And, and to see that full cycle and to watch the way these technologies have come in and changed everything has been incredibly rewarding. And to feel like we've had a, a role to play there, I think, is um, you know flattering and, and it's uh, again very exciting for us. But I think you know our, our goal has always been to get these people in the room, have them kind of compete against each other to some extent, have them push each other and drive things forward, and, and really kind of just collectively raise the bar on what a customer experience should be, what uh, you know uh, what we should consider to be decent customer service, um, decent product offerings, and, and all of these things, which. Um, you know, if we've kind of helped in some way to collectively raise that bar, then that's that's great. That's exactly what we would have tried to do. Well, and you know, think about who's been on your stage and think about what's resulted from it. You know, I think about the early days and I think about you know the simple uh, being on stage or Dwala or the original yeah. Magic Move In or you know, I, I think about one of the first Finnovates, Mint. Right. Yeah. So for the people around the world that have received funding for their startups be because of things like this event, you know, I think about there, there are people sitting on beaches because of Finnovate. There are people that are on their third or fourth companies because of Finnovate. And, you know, I think seriously, like MX is, you know, uh, four or five or six or seven or whatever best of shows. If, if the early, you know, iterations of MX did not influence the way that companies like Plaid went forward. Then these people would not be multimillionaires today, or we wouldn't have the ability to connect accounts in aggregation like we do. So, you know, to your earlier point, the influence of those seven minutes are so much more significant than I think people really, you know, are, are giving credit for because you were there years and years before Money 2020 and all these other shows. And those seven minutes have made a difference in so many people's lives. So you should feel proud about that. And, and we're excited to be part of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's one of those really amazing things to see up there when you see a company who just crushes it in their seven minutes and you know the audience is feeding them. And then you come back to the networking space and you see people lined up to talk to them at their booth. Um, and, and we've heard stories that have gone as far as, you know, somebody had acquisition offers on the demo or the networking hall floor within an hour after getting up there on stage. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and say that that's like a great best practice for the fintech industry. I, I would not necessarily advocate that as responsible uh, capital management, but but it does kind of just show you what that segment up there can do for you if you're able to use it well. Um, and, and this is again why I've always felt this you know, kind of personal obligation to put the companies who get up there in the best position possible to do the best job they can do with those seven minutes. Because, you know, for for companies who do it well, um, it's it's terrific. And a lot of the companies who end up 
winning best of show are companies that have really great technology, but aren't necessarily as comfortable speaking about it. There's not necessarily a lot of overlap between being an excellent coder and excellent technologist and being an excellent speaker. Um, but if you put them in a position where they can just let the tech shine through and, and show off what they've built in a strategic way, um, then really amazing things happen. And there's been some great stories out there. You know, I'm to your point, Brian Lay, Alpha Rank, he's a showman. He's never going to have a problem getting up on stage. You know, that's the real comfort level for him. But there are a lot of people who that's not their comfort level and they still have amazing products that, that can do great things. And so that's where I looked at and said, these are really the people that I want to make sure get their stories heard. Because um, for every one of those companies who uh, gets that funding, who, who gets, who's on a beach somewhere, um, there are obviously a lot of people who are striving for that goal who don't get it. And, and for me, one of the most painful things is when I see somebody who I know has good technology, I know there's a market need for it, and they're just never able to quite make that connection. That to me is one of the most painful things and the, those harsh realities of the fintech industry that um, I try and fight against. So Greg, I have to echo what Brad was saying earlier as Finnovate has changed a lot of people's lives. And when when he talks about Finnovate being the Disneyland of fintech, uh, we don't take it lightly. It's not a joke. It, I, if I look back at when I first started dipping my toe in fintech to now, I would say more than half the people I know in the ecosystem, I met through Finnovate. So I met you, obviously, at Finnovate. Yeah. I met Brett at Finnovate Spring, um, Brett King, Jim Maruz, Gela, all of these people, I and Ron. I met them all in various Finnovates, and it's been it's been an amazing place. If anything, um, the sheer networking of that and the ability to connect people to connect minds, um, it's 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 amazing to to watch it happen. Um, which brings me to something interesting. Um, we're in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of um, social isolation and, and all of that, where we um, have to refrain from in-person meetings, right? So a lot of the opportunities that Finnovate has been able to in, um, create sort of have to evolve, if you will, for lack of better terms. So I'm curious, um, how do you feel about moving forward? What does the future look like? What's coming up for Finnovate? Um, and what is going to happen to the live events that are planned, et cetera? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, first off, I love the compliments again. This is the best podcast I've ever done. If you guys are just trying to get me to come back on as a guest, uh, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> I'll, I'll come working? back to this kind of treatment. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Um, no, but I mean, you, you're right. This is a terrifying time for event organizers. Well, for so many different people, event organizers, obviously, the world that I know. Um, and I think that it's it's difficult to see what what happens from here. I mean, at, at what point are we able to start doing in-person events again? And there's going to be a really big difference between when it's legal and when people will feel comfortable flying to different parts of the the world. You know, we've got our um, our next big show, Finnovate Fall, in New York in in September. And to be totally honest, it just isn't looking likely that we'll be able to, to actually do it at that point. So like a lot of other events, we're looking at digital solutions and, you know, there's, 
never going to be a substitute for being able to just walk through a Finnovate networking hall with a drink in your hand. You know, I, I think that's one of those things which as soon as we're able to do that again, I, I know I'm really looking forward to it. I think a lot of people in the ecosystem are looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I, I promise uh, that we will not run out of booze on the day that that happens. We will keep the party going for as long as we can. But until that point, you know, there are ways that I think we can still keep things moving. You know, one of the really big uh, challenges right now for the entire industry is that this game-changing event that has really shaken up uh, fintech, obviously a number of other industries as well, but this game-changing event has happened and there are companies who are responding to it and they're doing amazing things. You know, fintechs who are rising to the challenge and, you know, new products getting launched, new initiatives getting launched. And there's a real need for everybody in the space to just know what's happening. And one of the things that Finovate has always done a, a good job of, I think, is just showing the world, you know, th this is where financial technology is right now. This is the level that people are playing at. And so when we look at what's happening right now and these stories that are coming out of this, we want to say, oh, okay, how can we still share those? How can we make sure that people who have new innovative ideas, have new technology, get the word out about them? And I think there are ways that we can do that digitally. There are ways that we can help people connect digitally. You know, you don't have to necessarily be in the same place to have a conversation. You know, we are obviously not in the same city right now um, recording this. And, and you can replicate this type of conversation, the sort of face-to-face. -face. So, you know, that, that's really what we're looking at right now is how can we structure a digital event that accomplishes some of these major things that um, in person would do. And, and what we're doing is prioritizing, first and foremost, getting stories out there, showcasing technology and helping people connect. Those are really the, the main points that we're focusing on. And so, you know, uh, there will be digital Finnovate. We're going to keep doing it. We're not going to let um, the industry uh, move on without us being able to, to share some of those pieces. Um, and, and I think it will just look a little different for a little while. And, and one of the things that's going to be interesting to see is, you know, what happens to the event space after all of this? Um, you know, there are people who I think will really say, you know, I love being at home. I like not having to travel. There are introverts among us um, who really appreciate that. And I think they might say, you know, this digital event might be where they want to stay. Um, and there, I think, are a lot of people out there who are on the opposite side. Like, I just can't wait to get out of my house. I need to go see somebody again and, and hang out with my friends. And um, so, so what maybe happens in the future is kind of a hybrid digital in-person event where we try and cater to both communities um, and see if you're not comfortable flying, if you don't feel like you want to, or even if you just uh, don't want to take the time, we'll, we'll offer digital ways that you can do that. In the meantime, I think it does have to be digital only. So uh, we'll explore that. We'll see what it looks like. Um, our next couple of events, we've got a digital event called um, Finnovate Halftime Review coming up in June. And Halftime uh, is referring to the year, half-year review. Um, and then we'll have Finnovate Asia in Singapore, which has moved to a digital event. That one is in July. Then we'll go to Finnovate Fall, which will be a digital event as well in September. Um, and uh, we are also still doing the Finnovate Awards show, which will be in September as well. But that will, you know, we won't be able to do the big gala dinner with the comedian and all that fun stuff again this time around. But we do still want to recognize those leaders in the space. So um, we will still be taking nominations for uh, the awards and giving those out, recognizing the winners across, um, I think it's about 25 categories that we've got for that one. So um, still a, quite quite a bit on our calendar for this year um, and obviously a lot of legwork just to make sure we can uh, deliver a reasonable customer experience, just like all of our customers are trying to do. We're in the same boat as everybody else.
<laughs> oh my goodness, Greg, you just dashed my dream of reuniting with Mary. Um, we had such a great time at the gala last year. Oh, and um, we were just chatting last week about, oh, you know, can't wait to meet up in New York again. Um, that was such a fun event, by the way. Um, and to pay tribute to Finnevik Fall, which is the last time we met a lot of people, your dad actually cracked a joke on Twitter. I don't know if you huh. remember. Um, he said, surprising fact, Greg can jump higher than the Empire State Building. That's true. Because the Empire State Building cannot jump. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. He actually posted it um, yeah. during Finnovate Fall. So um, with That's that cute. being said, thank you so much for joining us today. This is a lot of fun. We get to turn the table around and interview you. Um, and uh, we would love for you to come back and can't wait to have that never ending happy hour. Um, yes. If and when we can meet in person again. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. I've had a, a great time and I would happy, uh, happily come back anytime. Sincerely, you guys uh, have been one of some of my favorite people to get to know. I mean, this is what Finnovate's all about, right? Bringing people together and to, to get to meet you two and learn about what you're working on has always been fun. Um, so, you know, I'm sure uh, we'll have you on the Finnovate podcast again. I'll be on your podcast again, however it happens. Um, we'll keep the conversation going until that point where we're able to meet in person again, hopefully sooner rather than later. But if it has to be later, that's okay. We'll wait. As long as we all healthy, that's all that matters. That's right. Right. So thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for listening in to another episode of One Vision.